As of right now, the day this episode drops, it's October 31st. Happy Halloween, Ben. Happy Halloween. <laughs> it's all Hallow's Eve, everybody. And for those naysayers in Australia who like to fob it off as some stupid American bullshit, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, should I say, should we say, uh, happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. You're on your own there. <laughs> happy, happy Halloween. Silver Shamrock. <laughs> Those same ignorant dickheads obviously failed at history too, because like Halloween, its origins are Celtic. It, like it stems from the harvest festivals and it's European and it's, comes. It's European. It's yeah. a. It's a pagan. Yeah. Yeah. And what are we descended from? Exactly right. That's pagans. Where that's where it's it... more Australian than it, I mean. I suppose so. Americans really. Yeah. They just immigrated earlier there. Yeah. <laughs> Scottish and Irish, anyway. I mean, it's um, just because we don't do the trick-or-treating, but the trick-or-treating was never really part of it. Yeah, but the sentiment here is, get fucked. If you're, yeah. <laughs> if you're a naysayer, because, like, who's going to bemoan dressing up, having fun, being part of a community? And why can't you do new things if, <laughs> if it's something that you haven't always done? That's right. Why Why can't you do... It's always... um, It's perplexing, man. Yeah. perplexing but for those of you who love Halloween just like we do you're in a safe place here it's, it's the same as those people who, who are like no you can't like uh, uh, Buffy because uh, you didn't like it when, on the original run that's <laughs> when I watched it no you can't like it now <laughs> you can't like Star Wars you like the wrong Star Wars it's <laughs> an interesting little tangent you went on just then yeah I'm trying to connect it backwards but I can't <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm just whinging about people whinging. It's just a sign that we're getting old. Yeah. Hopefully our listeners are getting younger. <laughs> no? Why? No. Why? <laughs> Surely they, we should be we should be up up converting, up selling. Uh, welcome. We, we to... want to get to that point where our <laughs> listeners start dying. Welcome to Good Movie Monday, everybody. We are the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran, and on the other side of the desk, behind that ugly rubber mask, is Ben Helwig. <laughs> Silver Shamrock. <laughs> this week, as you've guessed, we are embracing Halloween, offering you lots of treats. We have a bunch of movie recommendations and segments from our mates. Guillermo's back. Feeling better? Excellent. Uh, mind you, as of the time of this recording, I still have not got his segment. <laughs> well, you know, the fire alarm is going off in his building, <laughs> slash he dog ate his homework. The anxiety is creeping in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he is from the uh, Screen Realm Entertainment website. He's going to come up soon with some uh, movie news from across the last week. Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas from the Kentucky-based podcast Bonehead Weekly. Well, they're fresh from Scarefest, actually, so... Fresh. Hopefully they're energised. They're, gonna they're have certified some, fresh. They're going to have some Halloween recommendations of their own. And Jarrett Gunn is uh, one of the minds behind Monster Fest, and he's, uh, he's also fantastic when it comes to physical media. No one knows a good date or distributor's details like that guy. <laughs> he's going to be stepping up to the plate in a few minutes to let you know what new releases are coming out. And he's also, and he's a fantastic mind. 
He's a what? Fantastic. You said he's one of the mimes behind uh, Monster Pictures. I said mimes. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I mime to you on this show all the time. It's like signals and, you know. Wind it up. Yeah. Stop talking. <laughs> I ignore them all. <laughs> um, here's a few more um, obligatories. Uh, you can find this podcast where you get podcasts from. However, you can hear us on Newsly. That's the app that we would uh, prefer you to listen to. It's 100% free and it's an incredible service. And uh, I'll have a little bit more to say about that later. If uh, our voices turn you on, you should see our faces. <laughs> we have video content too. <laughs> Ben's miming right now and I'm trying to figure out yeah. what the fuck he's doing. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> Well, we do video content. It's mostly additional bonus content. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. Like and subscribe and click that bell for notifications. Um, we turn out a shitload of video content, mate. We do. This is for the newcomers, by the way. Ben's looking at me as if to say, like, what the fuck are you it's doing? Like, I don't. But yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I like when you say we. Well, you're part of it. You record it with me. Oh, well, yeah, some of it. <laughs> you, but you do like... <laughs> this, is, this podcast is 90% Glenn, 10% Ben. Well, all right, we'll have that maybe, discussion maybe even another time. Maybe even less than we'll 10%. We'll have that discussion another time, mister. <laughs> <laughs> I probably uh, asked you this last year, mate, but what does Halloween mean to you? Did I have an answer? Can't remember. That's why I'm asking again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a Johnny-come-lately. It doesn't mean that much. <laughs> it doesn't? <laughs> like, uh, like, I mean, I never... Like, I liked... I like TV... Halloween TV specials. Yep. I like, uh, I never went trick-or-treating. But or you do like lollies, stuff. right? I, do, I love lollies. So this is an excuse for more. I've never needed it. I've never <laughs> needed that excuse. And people who have seen the video content can affirm that I've never needed it. Like, and my biggest issue with Halloween was that we, we didn't get, we don't get a, there's no public holiday around it. <laughs> I don't think America has it either. No. I mean, they have Thanksgiving. Yeah. And they get they have a public holiday for that. We should get a we should have a Halloween. They go holiday. to school in Halloween costume, like you know, everybody's in the spirit. The teachers dress up, the kids dress up. You know? Yeah, right. The janitor dresses up. I mean, I don't even remember learning about it in school. Well, Halloween. Yeah. Well, no, because we pretty much didn't celebrate it here until what the late nineties, early two thousands. You know, you had little pockets of it when we were kids. You know, some neighborhoods did it, some didn't. Yeah. Uh, and if you were in a neighborhood that did it, there was maybe one house that you know. You had, had lollies. To, you had to put a. It was like you had to wear a red handkerchief out your back pocket, uh, so then the kids would know that there was treats in that house. <laughs> You'd only go One into the safety houses. Yeah. <laughs> and look, you know the the Americans that are listening to this are probably like thinking, "Geez, those poor underprivileged slobs." Like, it's true, man. We we have not celebrated Halloween here like over there, but yeah, there I mean, pocket, there there are places in in Australia now, like where Chloe lives. Their whole neighbourhood does it. It's does a big it? thing. Oh no, it's definitely a big thing. Like even on the way here, I saw a bunch of houses that mm. are all decked out, like more so than you than yeah. you know, Christmas. But you know, in the movies, like every Halloween movie kind of begins with that crane shot over the street, and you see all the kids in the street yeah. and all the decorations. That is actually what it's like over there. Yeah, yeah. I, which is great because I've always figured it was complete horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like it's just fake movie nonsense that yep. they, you know, like like malls. Now the first time I went to America, I was so excited to go to a mall, and I'm like, this place like a ghost town. This was, <laughs> was two thousand and five, so yeah. the internet existed, but mm. there was no Amazon didn't exist or yeah. any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> so it was still bricks and mortar was was the way to go. You could still make a living. Uh, yeah, in a in a actual shop, and it just it it didn't have that 
it didn't have that vibe at all. And I was like, have movies lied to me my entire life? <laughs> well, how embarrassing was it for me? The first year we lived in Vancouver, we were the only house on the street that didn't decorate. Mm. And I, I'm talking like the next door neighbor had literally like at least 500 pumpkins out the front. Like it was Jeez. absolutely massive. We learned our lesson. The next year was different, but you know, <laughs> it's fantastic, man. I love it. But no people, one said anything people, like the week leading up. Why they figured that we're the foreigners on the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> but, Filthy. But people open their houses, come inside, and they create little haunts and stuff like that. It's, yeah. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. And I hope we uh, embrace it more as we move forward. But anyway, we're doing it here on the show. This is our, yeah. this is our celebration. Hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE Class. Huge week for releases, and headlining those releases is Top Gun Maverick, coming out from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. It's coming out on all the formats, 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and DVD. Now, the 4K has Dolby Atmos along with Dolby Vision and HDR presentations of the film. As for special features, you've got four featurettes, two music videos, and a masterclass with Tom Cruise that's taken from the Cannes Film Festival. Also out from Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. It's coming out again for its 40th anniversary this time around and Universal are reissuing their previous 4K release once again, however, with a bunch of physical paraphernalia that includes a fold-out poster and a behind-the-scenes booklet. However, this edition does not include a Blu-ray component. What does that mean? Well, it means there is no special feature content on this release, which is a truly bizarre move. Moving on to Roadshow. Roadshow have two titles coming out from the Warner catalogue, making their 4K Ultra HD debuts, and both of these releases come with Blu-rays, so you do get all the special features. The first of which is Elf, and the second being The Polar Express. In that festive Christmas sort of spirit, Roadshow are also releasing from the Warner catalogue 8-Bit Christmas. This is the film that went direct to HBO Max in the US last year and binge here in Australia, and it's coming out on DVD, sadly, no Blu-ray. Then the last release from Roadshow is a DTV actioner that's headed direct to DVD and DVD only, with Kevin Bacon, Colson Baker and Storm Reid. It's titled One Way. Moving on to Imprint. Imprint have a ton of releases this week. I'm just going to run through the titles. We know they've got special features. We know they've got impressive slipcovers. These titles are Warning Shot, Testament, Save the Tiger, The Rose Tattoo, Pretty Baby, North Dallas 40, Comeback Little Sheba, and Ben's favourite, The Molly Maguires with Sean Connery. Then out from Defiant Screen Entertainment is Aussie director Richard Hughes' actioner, The Enforcer. Starring Antonio Banderas and Kate Bosworth, this one is getting a DVD-only release. Then the last distributor I will mention for this week is Pinnacle. They're releasing The Nowhere Inn. Who knew Pinnacle was actually still around? I didn't. Anyway, they're releasing this truly awful movie on DVD. It's written and starring the otherwise very talented Carrie Brownstein, who you'd know from Slater Keeney or Portlandia, the TV series, and fellow musician St. Vincent. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. I think that E.T. on 4K will be an imminent possession of mine. I just want to know, does it have, is it guns or is it pitchforks? That's what I wanted to know. Will it be the uh, the director's cut? Because I believe Spielberg regrets that decision. I would hope, I hope that George Lucas regrets every director's <laughs> cut decision he ever made. <laughs> but admittedly, that Spielberg director's cut was well-intentioned, but very 
poorly done. I just, if you're going <laughs> to do it, then put both versions on there. Well, I mean, it might do. I haven't looked into the specs of it, although I think it might be a very bare bones one. But either way, ET on 4K. Just the fact that it's 4K. And, is but it it's not, not the first iteration of 4K with that movie. It's just like a, a new fancy package. I seem to recall Jarrett going to extraordinary lengths to get it yeah, the probably. first time it came out. It was like a Best Buy exclusive or something. Now, there's also no reason whatsoever why Jarrett should have mentioned this, but uh, let it be known that the Jesse Stone collection is getting a Blu-ray release this week too. Why? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Jesse Stone. Same. But I like, I like all of the Hallmark TV series. I just watched the Nikki and Nora, the new one, with uh, Rhiannon Fish, the Australian slash not Australian uh, actress. But not not a single Hallmark movie or series. Requ- like, the only reason you need it in HD is because modern TVs make SD look really shit. Like, I mean, I know for a fact that Stan, to force you get the HD uh, tier, they make the SD. It's like watching two pixels bump into each other. (laughs) They really fuck you on the SD. And you're like, I've got VHS tapes that look better than this transmission. Mm. Like they, it's like they take it down, not even to like 540p. They take it down to 360 or 240. Like you wouldn't watch it on YouTube. That's what they do to force you to go up. (laughs) I should have. You're on notice, Dan. I fucking figured out your scam. I should have. I should have laid out a trigger warning. Uh, but, who who uh, would have thought Jesse Stone but, would lead to that? <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, I mean, because it's a lot of film. Like, how many films are, are what, they cramming three? I mean, if they were, if they were SD versions <laughs> on a Blu-ray disc, you could do the whole lot in, on one disc. Oh, shit. But, uh, I mean, look, look, more power to them. I'm hoping that uh, Mystery, <laughs> one, <to> them. <laughs> Mystery 101 uh, comes out on Blu-ray. Uh, but... Well, it's an odd one. It is. And yeah. I love Tom Selleck as much as the next guy. Yeah, I just like the idea of having it on Blu-ray, on Blu-ray. to be honest. But, yeah. um, you may have also heard there that uh, Testament is out on Blu-ray this week. And if you missed our show last week, we had an exclusive interview with the director of that film, Lynn Littman. So go back and have a listen. The video is also on YouTube and Facebook. It's a really good chat. Um, and it's it, the feel-good film of was it 1984. <laughs> it was our nuclear fallout episode. So it's, it was a very depressing one. But... Another movie being released this week is The Enforcer with Antonio Banderas. And uh, we have the director of that on an upcoming show too to talk about. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a, an upcoming peak. It's going to be a fun one. His name's Richard Hughes. He's the brother of Patrick Hughes, who did, you know, Expendables 3 and Hitman's Bodyguard. So let's move on to what we're here to do, talk about. Halloween movies. I treat Halloween movies and Christmas movies exactly the same way. You know, I kind of... I kind of... At Halloween time... Slap the Miranda a little? <laughs> at Halloween, I watch specific types of movies and I kind of reserve them for Halloween. So, um, like your Ernest Scared Stupids and things like that, where they're very much Halloween-centric. You Hitty, like you like, Halloween. You like Halloween movies to be about Halloween. I do. Which is very... I find it very odd. No, I, I do. I mean, because there well, are... I mean, when else can you watch like yeah, a exactly Halloween-set right? movie? Exactly. You know, so I do reserve it for this time of the year and if I miss... The ship, you know, of October, then I kind of leave them until next year. But anyway. I still have to, I do have to rewatch Hubie Halloween. I suppose I could do that tonight. Well, yeah, I mean. To get in under the I am, I'm feeling really desperate to watch Hubie Halloween again. Like, I, I feel like I can't watch it enough. Like, you know, and I'm not just saying that just to rile up Chloe. Uh, but it is true. It is true. Like, it is a wonderful Halloween movie. <laughs> 
I just love knowing how she's going to react to that. Anyway, but I've done the same thing this week that I did last week, except I've done it twice by picking movies that I want to talk about, then realizing how average they are. So I haven't been able to do them. Example number I've one. I've never let that stop me. I was going to talk about uh, Hellions, the um, the Bruce McDonald film. That Monster Pictures released. Yeah, I, I didn't think much of it. I, I remember liking it when I first saw it, watched it again, and it kind of annoyed me. <laughs> Sorry, Monster Pictures, can't win them all. <laughs> uh, and so that was going to be my first pick and then I thought no instead of that I'll do Trick which is the Patrick Lucia film he's the guy that did Drive Angry and My Bloody Valentine he made this slasher called Trick and it's very much prostitutes <laughs> it's a very formulaic Halloween Confessions slasher movie baby. it's kind of like Halloween it's got a great little twist but the execution was pretty average and I remember I watched it you know in the lead up to this and thought no I, I can't recommend this like I can Talk about it. We should just rename the show to Almost Good News. Yeah, that's right. We'll make it a midweek thing. Yeah. (laughs) So. This is this is the here. No, that's it. Should be a video, like another video that we do during the week. That here are the movies that we didn't pick, and here's why. (laughs) Well, lucky for me, I have watched quite a few Halloweenish kind of films, Uh, and I watched a, a Shutter one called Revealer. Have you heard of this or seen this? Because. It came from out of nowhere. I liked the poster art and I decided to watch it and really enjoyed it. It's, it's the best way to choose a film. It's a cross between Pontypool and Demon Knight, if you can imagine those two combined. So the concept of this one, it's about a peep show stripper. So immediately Excellent. Ben's on board. And she finds herself trapped inside a peep show booth when some kind of monster invasion happens outside. Um, and the most the monsters are mostly ambiguous, aside from a few tentacles and stuff getting slammed in doors and stuff like that. It's very contained. But she also realizes that also trapped inside this sleazy sex joint is one of the hard-lined conservative hey. conservative Christians that have been picketed on the outside, right? And she, to escape the monster invasion, got into the building. So suddenly you've got this conservative churchgoer and this stripper have to band together to outsmart the monsters or get away. Is the conservative church lady sexy? Yeah, you could you could argue she is, of course, you know. But they they, they dress t- her down. T- TV ugly. They dress her down in floral and stuff like that, you know. But by the end of it, you know, when she's sweaty and has to, you know, really rely on her <laughs> might, yeah. things change. Um, it's, like I said, the, the poster art. It's not that I mind that they think this strip cops are sleazy, but just <laughs> keep it to your fucking self. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why protest out the front? I know. So. I kind of like the way Shudder do their art. They kind of have a design, you know, it's a bit like Netflix have their design. Shudder have a really nice little design and that's what appealed to me. Um, The colour palette of the movie is very much like Colour Out of Space. It's got very strong reds. It's got very strong sort of blues and a few greens. It's all fluoro. Um, And that to me is what I... What constitutes a Halloween movie to me is the colour design. Sometimes that's that's all I need. Anyway, it's mostly a cast of unknowns. No credits to their name. Um, except one, I think the conservative chick was in that scare package anthology. I don't know if you saw those. They're like a, they're like Shutter's creep show. Anyway, no, I, this is new too. Twenty twenty two. All you need to know about the director Luke Boyce. This is his first feature. He's done a few shorts and a doco. But what I love is he's got another movie coming out soon. That's all about dead residents from a small town that rise from the grave and then resume their normal lives like nothing had happened. Isn't that? Aren't there like two TV shows about that? Where they come back, they come back from the resurrected and oh, that's something the, the else. Aussie one. They, is it the Aussie one? There's an Aussie one and there's a British one, which the Aussie one may No, I have think it's the other, off, way the, other way the other way around. The Returned, I think. The it Returned, was. yeah. That's true. I never Were really they... thought of that. So this guy's a hack. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like unless they're like, like if they if they were like rotting corpse zombies, no, but I completely think... mentally, like the same. Sure. It just I bits reckon, are dropping off. I reckon if this movie reveal, and is... then the whole point of it, <laughs> the whole thing is that society it gets so like pigeonholed them. Like they're just trying to be normal people, but they get ostracized so badly by society that they <laughs> turn into the zombies or that or the. You know, society have kind of... Bl- they've become the monsters that society have created. For, for someone that says that the show's 80% Glenn, whenever I have my recommendations, it's 80% Ben. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I reckon, though... You said you rely on me for the improv. The, the, I certainly do, my friend. I reckon it'll be a comedic kind of take on The Return because if this movie is anything to go by in the style and, and the, 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 the flavour of it, I reckon it might be. But Anyway, there you go. Revealer, highly recommended. It's just a, a low-budget nasty that's fun. Excellent. How's it going, everybody? It's Guillermo here from Screen Realm. That's ScreenRealm.com and Screen Realm on YouTube. Be sure to check out everything we've got going on, as always, with release schedules, trailers, and all that jazz. It's good to be back. I was away last week because I was quite sick. My voice may still sound a little sick, but I'm feeling much better. Good to be back. As always, I'm here to tell you about a few of the big movie news stories over the past week, kicking off with a big, big development in the DC screen universe. As first reported by The Hollywood Reporter, filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran are leading DC film, TV, and animation efforts as co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios, which is a newly formed division at Warner Brothers replacing DC Films. Essentially, the hope is that Gunn and Safran will be like the Kevin Feige of Marvel, but in the DC side of things to hopefully hone everything into a coherent universe, which has been a bit of a problem over at Warner Brothers. James Gunn will reportedly be focusing on the creative side of things and Safran will be focusing on the business and production side of things. James Gunn has of course directed films for both DC and Marvel. On the DC side he directed The Suicide Squad and he's behind the Peacemaker series. And for Marvel he's directed Guardians Part 1 to end the upcoming 3 as well as the upcoming Disney Plus special Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. And in more big DC movie news over the past week, Henry Cavill is officially going to be back as the Man of Steel, Superman. As those that have seen Black Adam will know, Henry Cavill makes a brief appearance towards the end as Superman, and I guess apologies if that's a spoiler, but even Cavill has made it official on social media, posting a video where he says, I wanted to wait for the weekend before posting this because I wanted to give you a chance to watch Black Adam. I wanted to make it official, I am back as Superman. Thank you for your support and thank you for your patience, I promise it will be rewarded. Of course, details as to this next Superman film are being kept firmly under wraps, although Henry Cavill did tell the media that, I quote, I'm so excited to tell a story with an enormously joyful Superman, which is perhaps a reference to the dark Superman elements we've been getting so far. We'll see what happens here. Over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where Deadpool 3 will see the return of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, and Hugh Jackman has shared a little more about his upcoming reprisal. Speaking of the Associated Press, he said, It's a lot of fun, it's been five years, and I really never thought I'd come back. And I'm really, really excited to come back. Of course, he didn't give much in the way of detail, but he did offer a little bit of a tidbit when it comes to Wolverine this time around. I quote, He's definitely angrier, grumpy, and he's going to take a lot of free shots at Ryan Reynolds, let me tell you. Physically, that is. So there you have it, Wolverine grumpier, apparently. Because he's always been such a happy guy, of course. Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara, who are married in real life, will be starring together in a film titled The Island. The film is coming from Polish director Paweł Polikowski, whose credits include acclaimed films Ida, 
Cold War and My Summer of Love. The film is to be a dramatic thriller inspired by true events. The plot will follow an attractive American 1930s couple who turn their back on civilization to build their own private paradise on a deserted island and live off the land. But after a millionaire passing by on his yacht inadvertently turns them into a tabloid newspaper sensation, a self-styled countess arrives out of the blue with her two strange lovers with plans to take over the island and build a luxury hotel. Psychological warfare, betrayal, murder, infidelity, seduction, jealousy ensue. That about does for me guys and for our Australian listeners head to ScreenRealm.com to enter a couple of giveaways we've got going on. We're giving away Blu-ray copies of the once lost George A. Romero film The Amusement Park which is now available on DVD, digital and Blu-ray. That's thanks to Acorn Media and we're giving away cinema tickets to Aussie satirical thriller Sissy which is in Australian cinemas from November 3rd. Thanks so much everyone, catch you next week. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Yes, it's that time of the episode where I interrupt everything, uh, spoil the flow, and uh, yeah, just remind you to get the Newsly app on your phone. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna plug it at length this week, but um, yeah, get the Newsly app on your phone, the super app. You know everything you want. It's free. Do it. And if you want a free month of premium, just to check out what that's all about, use our code Monday M N D A Y. It's Monday without the O. And yeah, you'll get a whole month for free. There's nothing to lose. Check it out. Get the Newsly app on your phone. Listen to us. Do us a favor. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> on with the show.
Wow, Ben. So we heard from Guillermo a few minutes ago, but it was only sort of a moment ago in our time that he delivered that segment. So how weird is that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just hoping that, that you would cut to him and then nothing happened. <laughs> And then just cuts back to us, and we just don't mention it. Yep, and um, of course, that song. I love was... that he's not going to hear any of this because he does not listen to the show. I know. Well, th- this will be the proof in the pudding, right? Yeah. yeah. Gemo, if you're listening, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> uh, so the song that you just heard was "Do the Boogaloo" by Quando Sparky from Halloween Three, Season of the Witch. <laughs> how can you? How can you remember any other song? Because <laughs> well, you, you've already sung. Uh, I've already the, sung. The song that matters. Well, I thought I'd just um, spice things up with another one. Alrighty, so my just before I throw to your recommendation, just want to run through some more family well, friendly. You've ruined it now because I was going to talk about the film that you just had the song, and now you've put the distance between us. Were you? Yeah, I was going to talk about Halloween three. Because okay, go for it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Well, now you got to do the. the thing. I don't. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do the intro. What intro? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just talking. Like you know, if you wanna, if you wanna have a crack at it, I can always, um, I can throw in what I was gonna say afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but now how's it? Oh, <laughs> uh, what do I give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was uh, season of the witch. Uh, do the boogaloo by Quando Sparky. Ben, what's your recommendation? <laughs> Funny you should mention that, Glenn. <laughs> In the worst, the worst segue in podcast history. I was like, and you'll find out later. May I say before you start that every single episode we have ever recorded comes in from the song the same way. So why would you expect I'd throw immediately to you? It, it doesn't because you've only recently split up our recommendations. <laughs> we used to do it one after the other. Continue. <laughs> Uh, I had decided to do Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, mm-hmm. only because look, when you pitched this this um, topic, originally when we spoke about it, to my memory, we were just going to talk about all the Halloween films. Yeah. And then then when I asked you last week, like, okay, what are the rules? You said, there's no rules. Mm. And then I saw the message go out to everyone else going, Halloween themed films. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so there are rules. You and I, no, no, there's not. You just read things the and, way you want to read them. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the way that I can take the greatest uh, offence and get upset about. That's how I take everything. Uh, It's a personality trait. I've seen a shrink about it. Uh, They gave me some paperwork. I said, that's very nice, and then just ignored them and went about my way, and then took offence at it. Okay. (laughs) So to everyone that's ever written in to me about, what's wrong with Ben? I can just dump all those emails. Rest assured, he's aware. Yeah, I know. As you were. I know what's wrong with me, and I just don't care. Deal with it. I am loving this episode. This is great. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thought, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to talk about... And then I saw... And it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't, hasn't appeared on the episode yet. But the Boneheads uh, segment, which is coming up later. I didn't. Re- I did know. You did tell me what the songs were going to be on this show. But yep. because you mentioned it now, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to talk about Halloween 3, <laughs> Season of the Witch. Because it is a fucking awesome Halloween movie. Yeah. It's a it's a weird one, but I really like it, and it is such a bizarre film because it is not in any way, shape, or form what has become known as Halloween film. And I think th- what's to blame is Halloween Two. 
Of course. Which is a shameless studio cash-in mm-hmm. that I believe Carpenter had to do in order to get something to do something else. No, well, I think or, he... No, in order for him to get the third, the third movie one, made... Yeah, he had to do the second one that was exactly the same as the first one. In order to turn it into an anthology, yeah. He, yeah, he was obligated to number two, which uh, ruins uh, the whole concept, like you said, of an anthology. Of an anthology series, yeah. It's a real shame. Uh, but it is such a good... I mean, and it... Like, it stars the, you know... Mm-hmm. The leading horrors leading man, Tom Atkins, mm-hmm. it's so, like who is so great as the everyman. Yep. Uh, although this film, and I don't know if it's because it's to- Tommy Lee Wallace, f- the first film he'd ever directed, and yep. and it based on a like I thought it was Carpenter kind of wrote the script, and I think then Tommy Lee Wallace kind of rewrote it. Mm. But there's a lot of scenes with Tom Atkins that you feel like was this just improv to uh-huh. like just get to this point maybe he and was, it's a bit he was in that movie trick that I was going to do and once again it kind of feels like his stuff was very much improv yeah yeah he's a, I mean he's an interesting he's an interesting actor and I do I like I haven't seen a movie with Tom Atkins in it that I haven't liked yeah and this is such a like it is a, a John Carpenter horror movie that's not a John Carpenter movie, but it's about as close as you can get Yep. Like in every way, shape and form to being a John Carpenter movie without actually being a John Carpenter movie. I completely movie. agree. It just, it has that vibe. It has the feel. The music is there. The Everything about it is, is screams John Carpenter. Just, <laughs> it's by Tom, Tommy Lee Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is like a, you know, you know, virtually grew up at the feet of John Carpenter, kind of. I mean, they went to school together. They weren't. You know, mentor like he wasn't a mentor, like they were contemporaries, but (laughs) you know, and like it is such a bizarre, uh, entertaining film. Mm. Look, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoy. I kind of forgot where I was. (laughs) That's all right. Where I was going. We've recently been drawing comparisons to this and the new Halloween ends. In that you know, Halloween ends is them trying to go in a different direction, do something new. Well, you kind of think it's it's what Halloween two should have been. Yeah. Like, because this one leads in, like Halloween Kills leads into maybe Halloween becoming an anthology series. Yeah, absolutely. With the death of Michael Myers and the theory that, like, like Derry in It, Haddonfield, you know, the people of Haddonfield and the the fear and anger and it's a town despair. that festers evil. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, have have. Um, so it's a fascinating idea. And this one, like they don't at any point to my recollection, and maybe I missed something. Mm. There is no, it's not Haddonfield that the movie is set in. No, I don't think so. In fact, I recall there somewhere in there, maybe like an Easter egg, there is a reference to the original I mean, story. they watch the movie constantly in the film. Maybe that was it. They're I, always watching so Halloween. It's, so it's not in the same universe. It, well... In that Halloween, Halloween, the Halloween films exist yes. as films yes. so it's in not that in the same universe. Yeah, yeah. So Michael yeah. Myers does not exist in their world because no. he's on their screens. Yeah, no. See, I always, yeah, for some reason, I thought it was in the same universe, but I forgot about that. So, uh, and it is like, yeah, and the, the everything about it is great. Like, I don't like that. Like Nancy Loomis, I, I thought was really underrepresented in the film. Like she <laughs> yeah. like considering that she's a carpenter regular, it's like he mm. just threw her in and then but then did nothing with her as a fuck you. Like all yep. she gets to do is really is whinge at Tom Atkins. It's like <laughs> such a shame that she doesn't get used. Like everyone else everyone else gets killed. Yeah. She doesn't. And the the, the thing that doesn't really doesn't make sense is what happens to the kids, like the mask. Like that stuff is really biz- like the 
the actually like their face exploding, which I don't want to give anything away. Well, let's let's give away some but, of the like what the gist of the movie is about. If you haven't actually seen it, it's a, pretty much an evil um, toy maker or mask maker that that um is it, he poisons the masks and sends no, them no, out no, to he, the world. He puts they've got this little the, the silver shamrock yes, symbol that's, that's right. a computer chip because yep. that's that's what this that's how they pitched this movie to Tommy Lee Wallace yep. was that it's. It's slashes meets the computer age kind mm. of thing. Um, That's right. And when it gets a certain signal from the TV, malfunction, yeah. they malfunction yeah. and they zap. Yep. They zap the wearer. Yeah. And it's it's actually when I first watched Halloween three, it's not what I thought. I yeah. thought the kids were going to turn into like killers. Yeah. When in fact, and it doesn't. It's like, dark shit. Yeah. It's it's fucking dark. Like yep. it's just there to kill the kids. Yeah. But. What happens after that is the weird part. Yeah. I don't really want to spoil it. Oh, it's don't. just if you haven't seen it, then you yep. should uh, definitely, uh, definitely. Check I mean, it we out. we have given um, Halloween three a lot of time over the last few weeks, which is great. Like I don't remember any Halloweens previously where we've talked about it as much as we have this year, which I love. And maybe it's because of the new Halloween that we're doing that. But what appeals to me about it is the fact that it's kids. The kids yep. are the ones that are the victims. The, I, yeah. I love that. And his whole reason, the uh, the toy, the mask maker's reason yep. for it is just like, yeah, fuck you. Exactly right. And if you think about it, I mean, that's more or less the gist of Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, right? Yeah. The toy maker, it's the same kind of thing. And I think that's what appeals to me is the fact that this, this old man going after kids. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Anyway, good one. Uh, but, you know, because, and like I said, I wasn't actually going to talk about it because Joe does bring it up, uh, as you will hear soon in yep. the uh, in a moment, in segment. a moment, in fact, in, in a in a in a moment. Um, or I could just chop him out. Just cut, cut, his, <laughs> cut his segment. Uh, like I so I thought as a last ditch replacement, I was like, I'll do the Garfield Halloween special because I used to love watching that as a kid, and it's terrifying. But then when I did watch it again today, it yep. literally goes for twenty minutes. Uh, yeah, of course, but I would have allowed it. It's uh, super short, but. But I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it up. It is it's a kids Halloween movie. It's also super short, as is Mr. Boogity one and two. But they're they're at least they're sixty minutes. I think they they're, are they're hour long episodes yeah. of the uh, Walt Disney. Exactly, hour but they are great family friendly Halloween movies. I'd recommend. And I wanted to talk about some sort of family friendly ones here just before we are throw to the boneheads. There's some new ones that I highly recommend. Night Books is really good. That's on. Oh, you really Netflix. liked it. I couldn't get into it. It's the director of um, Brightburn. You know that. Mm. Superhero, R-rated superhero movie. Um, About a kid with uh, yeah. <laughs> who they give parents figure out their son may well, be a supervillain. Well, yeah, Brightburn is Superman. Yeah, <laughs> but the dark but, side of yeah, yeah. Uh, evil Superman. And that was produced by Sam Raimi. Night books. Um, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting is another one that's directed by Rachel Talalay, who's one of the writers and producers behind most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I really like that. It's got that um, you know, um, Malfoy from. Tom, yeah, I hate that kid. Do yeah. you? Oh, he's great in this though. He yeah. kind of has a has a Tom Cruise from Rock of Ages look about him. I just think he must be really pissed off at that kid that uh, plays the <laughs> the asshole prince in uh, Game of Thrones because like that, like those two, like they're they're his kind of roles. That, that's all he can play. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless he's gonna unless he turns into <laughs> Logan Paul or Jake Paul or oh, one God. of those turd burgers. That, that is scary. Uh, and Disney just recently remade Under Wraps. That was a like a '90s tally movie they did for the Disney Channel. They've just redone them for Disney Plus. So, and of course they did the Goosebumps movies not too long ago. Yep. And um, 
What's the other one? The house with the clock in the walls. I was going to drop those a bit later, but uh, you've covered that for me. Uh, hey, Marvel have just entered the, uh, the horror realm, or they've brought the horror world into the MCU. Oh, with with uh, Morbid Time. Werewolf by Night. Oh, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, the TV series. But Morbius too. Don't forget Morbius. Well, Morbius that I refuse well. to go and see. <laughs> I mean, I love Morbius. I love Ghost Rider. I love those comics. They do not translate that well to the screen. But I just I refused because I didn't want to go into the see it at <laughs> Melbourne Central. Anyway, that is the most of MCU you'll get out of me. Um, I think I've hit my quota for the year by you, that sentence alone. You've seen all of them, though, haven't you? <laughs> Regretfully, I, I a... oh no, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen as many as I've had to, and um, don't. What's missing? I'm curious. Jeez, oh, there's heaps. Name them and I'll tell you. Like, <laughs> well, there's all the Avengers movies. You would have seen all those. All the Captain Americas. No, yeah, I have seen all, all those. the Ant Man's. Oh. All yes. the Black Panthers, except for the new one. You're right. Like what? Like the the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, far out. Iron Man. Like yep. they've they've only done like that's all they've done. This is the core. Fuck my life. It's still man. the core uni- the core Avengers uh, universe. No, I haven't done like Morbius. unless you haven't done. I thought you went to see Morbius. No, I didn't. Yeah, right. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's, and that's not really that's in the other. Yeah, it's the Sony the, Sony version. The Venom. Yep. Universe, yeah. Anyway, um, we've given way too much time to MCU. Now let's throw it uh, over to the Boneheads. And uh, uh, will Joe appear in this segment, or will I cut him out? That's the big question. You have the power. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're talking Halloween and Halloween movies and the spooky season. Chad, and I think I've got the perfect voice for this episode. You have the perfect voice to do Jessica Rabbit. Hi, Glenn. Yeah, I've been and you know you always wanted to hear from Kathleen Turner so for this season I don't want to talk about one of the most unappreciated sequels of all time a sequel that tried to swing for the fences a sequel that tried to do something different with a franchise where this franchise could have went on and been something really spectacular where we got a different voice every year I'm not talking about that piece of shit Halloween ends. I'm talking about <laughs> Halloween 3. No, Halloween ends will never be Halloween 3. Although I do say Halloween ends is slightly better than Halloween kills, just simply because they try to do something different. They just suck. All right, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. We all know the story. Tommy Lee Wallace, written and directed by another Kentuckian, had the reins handed over to him and they wanted to do something different and i get it doesn't that make sense to you all take the halloween franchise and do a different halloween movie with it every year it didn't work they, well i mean no it works really well it's just what I mean, people they, wanted it's just people got people people. wanted more michael myers they didn't market it correctly they didn't <laughs> james It just doesn't work. But I tell you right now, if for some odd reason you're one of those people out there who who does not remember Halloween 3 fondly, it's kind of slow, but go check it out. It does swing for the fences. Chad. Man, there's a million ways I could go with this. And I'm not going to talk about not necessarily a good film, uh, but it scared the piss out of me as a kid. The unnameable. I haven't seen that in a long time. I don't remember anything. I remember the poster art box. Yeah. When I do the movie. So the unnameable, uh, it's based on an HP Lovecraft film. When I saw this movie as a kid, the monster in there scared the ever loving hell out of me. Um, and, uh, my, uh, long story short, uh, just a quick recap. My dad had a friend and when we would go to his house, there was a house that looked similar, very similar to the one that was in that movie. 
and I could not get out of the car. That's how scared that movie made me. I watched it about two years ago. It is a dog turd. There's nothing scary in it. It is just literally people walking down hallway corridors for maybe an hour and 20 minutes. But that creature is still scary as hell. That's the only thing you can say about the unnameable. But because it's a quick fun size for Glenn, I had to talk about one of those few movies that scared the hell out of me. I'm going to talk about a movie that doesn't get the attention it deserves. It's not a great movie. It wants to be the Evil Dead, and it's not the Evil Dead. But I, I actually rewatched it again, and I was like, you know what? It's just a fun movie because we all know the true evil is not Halloween. It's obviously that devil rock and roll. <sighs> Gene Simmons and Ozzy. Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne playing a reverend in that for all of five minutes is brilliant casting for the time that it came out, which would be, of course, 1986. I'm talking about Trick or Treat, where uh, the evil rock musician uh, Sammy Kerr has died. But it turns out if you play his evil rock and roll backwards, which is his plan, he will be resurrected as a demon overlord or some such. It doesn't matter. It's all about this kind of loser kid obsessed with hard rock who has to take on his idol who has died because his idol was in league with the devil. There you go. It's just a fun movie. It's not great, but it's a lot of fun. And the fact nobody talks about trick or treat other than obsessive people like me. It's a shame. Check out Trick or Treat if you've never seen it. 1986. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Hey, Ben, here's a motorboat. Well, as, as you can tell, I did I did leave Joe in there simply because um, he had another crack at Halloween Ends. Like, I'm just, every time he has a crack, I'm going to defend it. <laughs> Reevaluate that movie, mate. Yeah. <laughs> he will. In 20 years. In 20 years' time, yeah. <laughs> and then be like, oh, no, I always liked it. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just hold that to him. All right? If this show's still going in 20 years, <laughs> then uh, we'll, we'll play this segment <laughs> back. We, to- we told you you would. Ah, Chad's voice is, um, I wouldn't say it's sexy this week. It sounds like um, deep throat in a chainsaw is probably the best way to describe I, I it. I thought you just uh, slowed him down by 1.5%. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good selections there from the Boneheads. Um, yes, don't forget to catch their podcast, Bonehead Weekly. It's uh, available wherever you get podcasts from, and they do a video version of that as well. And I think, I don't know if it's dropped at this point in time, but their panel at Scarefest with Lloyd Kaufman and the Troma, the Troma Babes. The Tromets. The Tromets is... The Gynos. Um, that'll go up very soon. The uh, Troma Gynos. Yes, so make sure you check that out as well. Another little binge I had recently, Ben, I love Halloween time because I just, you know, watch all these quirky movies that I might not necessarily watch any other time. I did the double feature of Young Frankenstein and Dracula Dead and Loving It. And uh, I had such a good time watching those. But I also did uh, Fearless Vampire Killers, and that made for a great triple feature. Yeah, right. <laughs> Are you a fan of that? I reckon that is one of the underrated comedies of all time. Oh, look, I tried to watch it. I watched it in my early teens, <laughs> and I just didn't appreciate the style of humour. But It's very Mel Brooksy. Um, and like, you know, and I don't really like like. There's certain Mel Brooks films that I love, yeah, and then other ones that I just well, Fearless Vampire Killers with. is Roman Polanski, right? No, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but I watched it because it just had the same flavor of those Young Frankenstein and that. But the scene at the start where they rock up to the the tavern and the professor's frozen to death, and they pick him up like an ice block and carry him inside, and 
put him near the fire and like keep rubbing him until he wakes up. Fucking funny. Anyway. <laughs> not, not. I don't remember. I haven't seen it since I was a, since I was a, like thirteen. Like I have no idea what you're talking about. I remember Sharon Tate's in it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And Roman Polanski's in it. Yeah, that's it. All righty. Anyway, that's all I remember. I just wanted. Oh, to... I thought they were your recommendations. No, no, no. I'm oh, okay. Just, you know, you know, I always like to throw out some other. You know, hey, this is what I've seen recently. Yeah, I need to start doing that as well. You should. You should. I mean, that would make us more of a movie show then. <laughs> more movies, the better. Once again, you don't show me the script. <laughs> Fucking once again, I don't need to. Throw shit at me, mate. You know the theme. Run with it. <laughs> How can I run with it when you, you've planned out the show? <laughs> like, you, like, you're like, I want to talk about this now. Okay. I'm going to talk about this now. Did you not? There's no. Did you, did you not know that it's a Halloween episode? Yeah, I did. So you can throw anything at it. Yeah, but. <laughs> How can I when, like, I, I couldn't even do the review when I wanted to because you already had it planned out that you are going to talk about something else Mate, first. you're overreacting here. You're overreacting. You uh... just do what you want. Interrupt whenever you want. Throw whatever you want at the show. It doesn't, uh... <laughs> it's it been like this since the start, my friend. It doesn't work that way. So my official recommendation, uh, I'm going to suggest that you all check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark if you haven't seen it. Uh, did you watch this one recently? It's the... Um, it's from the director of the autopsy of Jane Doe and Troll Hunter. His name's Andre Overdell, I think Overdell. it is. Uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro, adapted from the popular series of children's books of the same name. So right off the bat, it's essentially a kid's horror movie, although it's fucking terrifying for a kid's horror movie, but it really does take you back to those sort of scary horror movies of the 80s. Um, I'm talking stuff like The Gate and Gremlins and Monster Squad and Arachnophobia, those sort of, you know... Those sort of Amblin-ish kind of um, horror movies. This one's set in the 1960s, which immediately has a great nostalgic sort of quality to it. And the story is essentially about a small town that has a sinister past and a group of teenagers discover a, a thought-to-be-rumoured book in the basement of this old mansion. The mansion's abandoned. Um, and it was written by a girl that was held captive for many years. And the book is haunted. So the book actually reads people instead of them reading it, and it writes their future. And each of them kind of die... To sort of an urban legendy kind of fate. So, like, for example, one girl gets the spiders that breed inside her cheek. There's another one where a scarecrow comes to life. And it kind of plays out like an anthology movie without being an anthology movie because it is all one story, but each character has their own little sub-story. So I reckon it's a super atmospheric movie. The monsters are fucking terrifying, and they're all modelled from the book as well. So if you're, if you're a fan of these books, um, they, they're illustrated very, very creepy illustrations and these designs of the creatures are exactly like the book. And it's sort of a cross between Goosebumps and Fear Street. I reckon that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it. I know we, we actually did something with it. I think we may have played it at the Monster yeah. Fest launch one year. It was the movie that we played when we did the, back when we did program announcements at the cinema. Um, I would love to see and a I sequel. See, but I didn't actually think that much of, and I know I'm going against the, <laughs> yeah. the you know, but I didn't think that much of Autopsy of Jane Doe. I'd like, like that one, yeah. I mean, I remember at the time going, that's all right, but I could not tell you anything about see, it that, now. That one to me... I couldn't tell you who was in it. Emil Hirsch and um, Brian yeah. Cox. But that's the one that you said before that um, Halloween 3 is as John Carpentery as you can get to John Carpenter. I reckon Jane Doe is also very John Carpentery as well. Anyway, whatever the case, this movie's fantastic, and I just love how scary this is for... It's an American PG kind of movie, right? It's not um, it's not that extreme. It's just 
the images are very scary. There's no language, there's no sex, there's not much violence. It's just fucking horrific to look at. So there you go. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, perfect, perfect Halloween movie. I reckon I'm going to make this a, an annual thing. I'd love to watch it again next year and bring us a part two. Fucking hell. It's scary stories with an S, plural. Is it the kind of thing that could work with different directors? Yeah, totally. Like you doing, could doing make it different... anthology, in fact, you know. Um, like I said, this like is a trick or treat. Very much, or like Fear Street, mm. you know, you could do it like that. Anyway, fuck, I love Fear Street. Oh, I thought good. that was, I thought that was really good, like much stronger than, like, uh, you know, Honeymoon's okay. <laughs> yeah, but I really liked the three Fear Street films. They are great. The only, I mean, it wasn't a problem with me, but the only sort of criticism I have of those is that they are based on the Fear Street books, right? But Which they, I haven't read all. Right, of them and they are R.L. Stein books for teenagers, but it's like they took those concepts of those books, but then made them R-rated instead of maybe being PG-13 or, you know, Australian MA. I don't have a problem with that because I love, love extremities yeah. in horror, but it's a little disservice to what the original books were. So, I mean, I think, it, like, if you take it as the kids who read those books aren't 12 anymore. No, I get that. I get that. So and it's like, like I said, it's, it's like not the, the difference between the first Harry Potter movie and the last <laughs> Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Like they are, and the books were the same for Harry Potter. Yeah. Like they took it as they if grew up you the... read that when you were, when you were eight. Totally. Then when you read the next one, you were nine. Yep. And by the time, and there is nothing, there is nothing, especially a horror fan. And I know, I know this from my niece who yep. is uh, 12 or 13 now. She doesn't want to watch anything that's appropriate for a 12-year-old to watch. I get that. 100%. She only wants to watch... I'm coming from a very nostalgic place here. It's kind of like... it For me, it felt like it was jumping on a bandwagon like the Banana Split said, done, you know, with you know, taking a kid's property and making it adult. I feel like this one probably just took it a little bit further than it should have. But nevertheless, they're fucking great. You know what's you know what's actually come out? I saw it. It's, uh, it's, it hasn't come out here yet. It's yep. come out in the States. But the... The Bring It On horror movie. I know. I know. And, I know. Uh, I was tempted to kind of watch it for this show, and I thought, well, it's not really Halloween-y. I mean, it, it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, I think it is set in Halloween. They're, they're on a, like a Halloween, like they're on a, at a cheer camp. Yeah. And it's the whole spirit stick kind of yes. thing, slash, slasher, but... I remember reporting um, news of that going into production, like, you know, when the show first started. Uh, so. we, were, look, you know, I remember, we were so excited about <laughs> the fact that it was being made. <laughs> It just, I find it, I, what disappoints me about it is that it's gone straight to VOD. Yeah, like yeah. it hasn't had any kind of, like either they have no faith in it or that's what it was always supposed to be, but. Or it just doesn't fit with the box set. Like, you know, you've got this one. Oh no, it definitely doesn't fit with the box set. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. they could have, they could have done a, you know, if it was good enough and I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if it is, yeah. but you would think, and the same with Banana Splits movie. I don't think they got a theatrical here. Probably not. And if it did, it might have been just like a bit of a, like a exhibition I mean, look, the, the fact of the matter is, in Australia especially, the Australian distributors have no fucking idea what to do with horror movies. Like, the people who run those studios don't like horror films, they don't like horror fans, and they constantly, <laughs> constantly, you know, do a disservice to the to, to horror fans in, in this country. Yeah, I completely I'm calling agree. them out on this show. That's <laughs> true. And yet, it's such a it's such big business horror these days. Look, this has been the best year for horror. It's big business in the states. Yeah, it's not big business here because they drop the ball all the time. They don't support it with any kind of marketing. They don't support it with holding back the VOD releases. I hope the people that matter are listening. Yeah, <laughs> they won't care. They won't.
Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Eudorium. Eudorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Eudorium.com today to see what it's all about. I was going to ask you a question, and you kind of answered it right off the bat at the start of the show. I was going to say, like, do, do Halloween decorations and displays in shopping centres and supermarkets get you excited? I'm going to guess that's a big fat no. I look not here because here, I found it like the first, the first time I went to the states around Halloween, and admittedly, I think it was, oh, maybe the start of September, and I went to like Halloween Town, and. Kmart and stuff like that, and they had the most amazing Halloween decorations and props and toys and costumes and the whole bit. Here, we have no, like <laughs> once again, like like the the people who run the movie studios, the people who do the buying for Kmart and Target and retail stores have their heads shoved so far up their ass <laughs> that they do not understand what the zeitgeist is until it's two years old. Yeah. Like, they are just so bad at their jobs. Like, the, you know, yeah. here, like like they say in, uh, in uh, Jane, Silent Bob, here's the pulse and here are their fingers shoved all the way up their ass and as far away from the pulse as they could possibly be. Which is not true because you can take you you can you can test someone's pulse by shoving their finger. Anyway. You can. Um, <laughs> it's an odd way to do it, but you can do it. You can tell the temperature, you can t- you can count the heartbeats. You can hear you can feel it pulsing. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of road trip now. But yeah. <laughs> So, like here, when I see him, it it actually fills me with with sadness because they're so <laughs> shit yeah. and plastic and cheap mm-hmm. and nasty and mind you, this year they've they've uh, they've bought out those pimply pumpkins. <laughs> you know, you've seen those like the supermarkets have these giant carving pumpkins, and this year they're all I've, covered I've in growths. Seen... Like they've got oh, I haven't seen that. Got, like, I've seen that they had the because uh... when I was a kid and we used to. Like dad used to buy us pumpkins to carve for Halloween. Yeah. But they were the they butternuts were, and shit. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were the wrong shaped one. They you weren't like the like ones. But butcher's knife to really hack at that. Yeah. And I look I I mean, you know, in all fairness to him, it's not like he knew. No. But we I do- don't I don't recall seeing I until this year. Yeah. I don't think I've ever actually seen those Halloween pumpkins for sale at the supermarket. Yeah. Like pumpkin is always, it always comes in quarters well, or the, whatever it is. You never see the whole one. <laughs> well, the thing is too, like America has carving pumpkins. They are they are bred yeah. for carving, and maybe the last three or four years we've started to get them in supermarkets here. But they're not they're not for consuming. Like they are particularly for carving. I wonder if you can. Can you eat the inside? What does you it taste probably like? can turn them into pie or something like that, but pumpkin, they are they are kind pumpkin. of hollow inside, so they're sort of made for the knife to slice right through and just carve easily. Anyway, um, you answered my question right there. You may yeah. as well uh, continue with your final recommendation and bring us to the end of the show, mate. Well, you know how you said that uh, the film that you talked about <laughs> uh, had no sex, no violence, no... Uh, well, mine is the exact opposite. Fantastic. I decided to, and look, I've wanted to see it for a long time, and I, so I took a punt that it wasn't going to be terrible. 
And I don't want to, I don't know if I can really label it as a good movie, but it was <laughs> definitely watchable. It is the 2009 remake of Night of the Demons. Right. Well, I have not seen this which, one. I remember this being a fairly big deal when it came out. Yep. And it's like, it, it starred Dior uh, Baird, who was had just been in Playboy and stuff like that, and who now does who now has an OnlyFans account and does like the way she promotes it. It's all you know, innocent. Like just this is me, in my bikini. <laughs> it is not. I have seen things I never thought I would see. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, and it is great. Thank you, Diora. Look at this cast. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, and it, I, look, I, I honestly, it's been it's been about. Five years since I've watched the la- the original Night of the Demons, let alone Night of the Demons 2 or yep. 3. Um, so I can't figure out if this actually directly follows on from one of those films. Linnea quickly does pop up and she's, I'd say she, in 2009 she would have had to be in her 50s, if not more. But she's basically wearing the same outfit that she wears at the beginning of, uh, of Night of the Demons. And but it's just like kids knock on her door. And she gives them candy. When she goes, she turns around and bends over <laughs> to pick up the candy. The view is just as good as it always was. Oh, you can see I will the candy. put that out there. But basically, so this this film is similarly. There is a party at a house, and this house has a history. And the the main the main kind of three characters are um, Dior Bird, who who um, is kind of looking to hook up with her ex. And Monica Keener, who who's the kind of main one, but this is a, this movie comes at an odd time for Monica Keener because <laughs> she'd, for seemingly no reason other than her own insecurities, decided to have massive fake plastic surgery. Like she is a, like I don't even know if it was her fault. She may have just had a really bad reaction to like the Botox because it's like a horror story. Like her face really looks swollen and weird, and it totally destroyed her career. Like it really fucked her up after I think maybe Freddy vs. Jason or whatever the um, the one like that 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 she did. Mm-hmm. So she looks super weird. Luckily Halloween actually because she's in costume it actually kinda works, but she still looks like not as bad as the cat lady who you know you know or Michael Jackson, but she looks pretty fucked up. Yeah right. But it's her and, <laughs> and Bobby Sue Luther and they all go to this party where they hook up with these guys in one of them a very weird Eddie Furlong uh, who turns up, but he's like, you know, drug bloated Eddie Furlong who, and funnily enough, in the film, he's playing a drug dealer who has like this side story that really goes absolutely nowhere, this subplot that right. is a complete waste of time and completely unnecessary to the film. But they go to this house and then, of course... I think the party at the house is being run by Shannon Elizabeth. So the boobs on display in this film are amazing. <laughs> yeah. And there's a great, there is a fantastic scene where once Dior Bed uh, gets possessed, she, <laughs> she tries to seduce, that's great. She tries to seduce <laughs> one of the guys and she's like, she's like, can you help me reapply my whiskers or whatever it is, or my ears? And he's like, oh, what about the, uh, your boyfriend is like, no, no, he can't help me. Can you just... And she pulls down her top. Uh-huh. And bearing in mind, she has just had a, like a sex scene. This, and she, that's how she gets turned. Like 
it's similar to the first one. Once they make out, they can pass the demon possession on to the next person. She is getting her boyfriend is is having sex with her doggy style, and he passes he, like he literally turns into a demon halfway through, and kind of tears her guts out, and then she turns into a demon and awesome. seems to, you know, heal herself somehow. Mm. But and th- th- but there is no nudity in that sex scene. Yep. Like, in fact, the camera is very careful not to show you anything. And I was like, this is an odd choice for Night of the Demons <laughs> and this cast. Then, <laughs> when she does it, she just pulls down her top, takes <laughs> a, a stick of lipstick, and then push, literally pushes it into her nipple until it goes inside her body. Then the camera pans down where she reaches between her legs and starts fiddling around massive torrent of blood just spurts out from between her legs and eventually and this like it goes on for a good 20 seconds of her digging around Jesus like she's searching for that guy's car keys if you're familiar with that joke (laughs) pulls out the lipstick man it is so totally bizarre and look at the you know the rules of the of the of the film are a bit weak yep but it, it actually it is a lot of fun it's a really really odd movie to remake I reckon Look, I, I think I think it's a it's a smart movie to remake, just not the way they did it. Well, I was going to say it kind of it 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 does like I have some sort of you know self imposed rules on what remakes should be or what they shouldn't be, and I've always said that if you're going to remake a movie, make sure that original movie underperformed or was a turkey to begin with, you know something that you can improve upon, because if it's already good, why bother? And I feel like that's a good candidate, right? Night of the Demons, it's it's a classic cult movie, but it you know you can improve it. And I, I guess it just, they've done it, but like, it, I, I've never seen it. It's a weird one too. Like it, it definitely, had it been done 10 years earlier yeah. with the right cast, it could have been a scream. And maybe the right director. Type and the like, right director. Yeah. Who, I don't know who, who, uh, who uh, directed I looked one. him up before. He, mm. um, Adam, yes, yes, yes. I've not heard of him. Look, he's, I mean, he's. I'm sure he, he did tell us. He was one of the guys in Tales of Halloween. Okay. Which wasn't too bad. Looking at his other things. He is. He plays the homeless man in uh, Big Ass Spider, which has been retitled oh, to so uh, Mega yeah, Spider. He's on part IMDb of that new sort reason. of alumni of like, you know, the new crop of Masters of Horrors that are doing the rounds. You know, you've got the, the is it Mike Mendes. Mike Mendes and, and, and um, Adam. Um, they're not Masters. I mean, I suppose, look, I suppose what counts as low budget today. Well, they are, Mike Mendes has actually done something. I, when I say that, I mean that they are the new rookies on Mick Garris's uh, Masters of Horror luncheons and dinners that he does in the post. Like, they are the new crop. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, should, it should be the guy who directed Barbarian. And <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, it follows. No and, doubt, like they're the they're masters the next of wave. horror. They, although, would... you know, I had I have my my issues with. Uh, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Nope. And us. Yes, but I guess uh, they are people making horror movies in today's world, whether we like them or not. And yeah, and uh, it, it is one of those things that too, when you look at like Toby Hooper and John Carpenter and stuff, they were all making like they were relatively yep. low budget. Horror movies. They were to begin with, absolutely. You know? Yep. And these guys make... It's just that low budget today looks a lot shitter than low budget in the 70s and, and 80s. We've had that conversation and it's, we kind of remember we reduced it to the fact that it's probably the film versus video. Video. You know? Everything Digital and CGI effects and stuff. Like, yeah. that. The, the good thing about practical effects was when they're shit, they still look kind of good. Yeah. When digital effects look shit, they look shit. And when, and when they're practical... The actors are reacting to them. 
Yeah. You know, as opposed to... To a tennis ball on a stick. Yeah, that's right. And if you've got shitty actors, it's hard to get a good performance when they're reacting to a tennis ball on a stick. (laughs) But, um, yeah, but, you know, no other demons. Definitely worth... Definitely worth a watch. Cool. I'll like, add it there's to my lots list. Of, there's lots of tentacles, you know, you know, nipple tentacles. It's really, there's, uh, it's really there's funny. crawling on the ceiling. There's demon heads. There's, you it, know, it's bizarre blood you, on the walls. that you bring it up because maybe a week ago, I was looking at the, the posters for the three original trilogy films, right? And I thought, I need to revisit these because it was Brian Trenchard Smith did part two. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I'm like, I really need to go back and watch these because I've been at least 20 years so now I've got a fourth one to add to I mean, that list part one really holds up in my opinion yep. like it, it's just so much fun yep. and the thing is it's a lot smarter in the way it's contained itself like in this film they they hold a house party like <laughs> like it's a it's a nightclub there's like 200 people there or 300 people there and then the guy from uh, from uh, oh, what was that uh, Kurt Russell Wyatt Russell's TV show where he goes and joins the Masonic Lodge. I think I actually recommended it on the show once. <laughs> in con- in contra to the rule against talking about TV. Lodge 49 or something yeah, like that, right. I think it's called. Uh, but it's the main guy from that is like what co- he has a bit part as the cop who clears out the party. Mm. So there's only the five of them left. And I guess they do. Con- but the party itself is like the party in um, Valentine. Like it's full of, yeah. there's like two or 300 people there. Awesome. And you're like, how are they going to turn this into a, and is it going to be like, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre where he just goes through the party bus <laughs> and they're all in a contained space and just massacres them all. Yep. yep. Uh, but no, none of that. The cops just come and clear them out so there's only five left and you're, okay, so now it's more like the original when there's yeah. only five. Whittle it down. Because that's the whole thing. The guys go to the party because they think, you know, the ratio is in their favour. Yeah. And they're going to do well. And it's Linnea Quigley and I can't remember the other woman's name who is also stunning the, the, main, mm-hmm. the main kind of protagonist in that film. There you go. Um, but yeah. You did it. You brought us to the end of the show, my friend. I just I talked until uh, <laughs> until I, the I, clock I, ran out. I clearly <laughs> ran out of things to say <laughs> ten minutes prior. But uh... well, I mean, on to next week, Ben. We're talking about comedy killers, and Melzi is back. Comedy killers, eh? Yeah, we love having Melzi on the desk. Well, that doesn't sound right. Uh, that is to say, we like it when she joins us here on the microphone. <laughs> comedy killers. You ready for it? Yes. <laughs> the reason we're doing it is it it's, uh, comes ahead of the Melbourne Horror Film Society screening of Serial Mum. So, the John Waters film. Yes. So that's uh, that's what we're going to tie it so in So it's with. comedic horror films. Yes. Well, kind of. I have... Uh, we can talk about this off, off mic, you know. No, no, no. Let's talk about it on mic. <laughs> well, we've been doing that all episode, yeah. so we may as well. Let's um, show them how the sausage is made. I'm certainly going to discuss uh, movies that are about specific killers that are comedic. So it's not necessarily a horror film in my interpretation. You can interpret how you ever, however you want. Um, but I'm doing movies about killers that are funny. So black comedies about a serial killer or about, you know, that kind of so thing. So House that Jack built, that kind of thing. If you want no, to, yeah. No. I mean, if you want to, that's a, that's yeah. a good candidate for sure because it's funny. Anyway, so we can have more of that conversation. Yeah. During the week. <laughs> but you all know what to do. Follow us on social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram is where you can find us. And TikTok is the place for the shorter snippets if you have a short attention span. And uh, we have clocked up well over a million views on that now. So it's going well. Thanks to the crew. Uh, have Jared- they coughed up any cash <laughs> because of that million views? Not yet. Oh, it's only a matter of time, my friend. Big bucks will come rolling in. 
<laughs> Thanks to Jarrett, Gamo, Joe, Chan, and James. Uh, appreciate what they do every week. Thanks to you for listening, and thanks to you, Ben. Um, I believe you've got uh, a classic song from uh, a classic movie to uh, <laughs> to send people off with. Might be from a 1949 Disney classic, a Halloween classic. It is. Well, it's a cover from that. Uh, from uh, it always bo- it bothers me that the way that they Disney have released it now because it's always. Um, Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Yeah. I don't remember them being together. Yeah. I only ever remember seeing Ichabod, Ichabod Crane, which was the Disney Disney Sleepy Hollow, basically yeah. the headless horseman yeah. horseman thing. Uh, and it's kind of neuro- the whole uh, movie, or I guess it's a it's a or episode <laughs> or whatever it is, is narrated by Bing Crosby. And at one point in the film, when he's doing the voice of Bram Bones, he performs this this song. Which is yeah you know, the the headless horseman song, and then K Star covered it yep. with this great kind of um, you know uh, kind of beatnik kind of almost um, version totally, which is like it's it's one of my all time favorite songs. I love it. It's interesting. People are about to hear it, but that that release is interesting. I believe, and correct me if I'm mistaken, uh, the two you movies, are mistaken. The two movies were obviously made in 1949 and they were released as like um, matinee films before the feature. Before the feature. Like the, yeah, the cartoon before the... Yeah. Um, long ones, mind you. Like, what are they, 50 minutes each, I think? I think, well, look, I've never... Because I, I really love the Wind in the Willows, the, the stop Mr. motion... Story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, series or whatever it was, or the, the I only really remember it as a film. Yeah. I always hated the Disney animated one. I just thought it was stupid. <laughs> I just really, like, even as a kid, I was like, what is this shit when you've got the puppetoon version, yeah. the stop motion version? And so I never, I've never seen, I've never seen I it. I think pairing them up was the uh, the Michael Eisner era of Disney when he was doing right. all those sequels. And... That's how I got it on DVD. Yeah. When I first learned it, it come out. Yeah. I grabbed it and I was like, what is this shit? Yeah. Like this. Mr. Toad I, I, thing. I bought the Blu-ray simply for the Ichabod Mr. Crane. Like, yeah, uh, yeah the, that story alone was all I cared for. I don't like the Wind of the Willows one either. Anyway, it's a long way to get to the song. Here it is, Headless Horseman by K-Star. Um, have a good week, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. See you next week.
I'll show them that I can get ahead. Do, do, wow, 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 wow. So close all the windows. Lock all the doors. Unless you're careful why he'll get yours. Don't think he'll hesitate a bit, cause clip your top. Like some little, he likes some big. Put him in the middle or wear a wig. Black or white or even red. The headless horseman needs a head. With a hip, hip, hip and a clippity clop. Why, he's out looking for a head to chop. So don't stop to figure out a plan. Cause you can't reason with a headless man. With a hip, hip, hop and a clippity clop. Look out! slept over some dude's house. I love a girl with a heart-shaped hind. 